0: of this department i was like um obviously i was kind of like i know this is a huge risk because it's the it's the metaverse this is how we call it now but it's the web 3 and i know this is a huge risk it might just drop suddenly it might not like you know not go very far but then i mean the finances that are going on metaverse is insane it's like beyond you would never grasp
1: Um, so, yeah, so, so far, how, how has been your weekend?
0: Uh, hi, Pedro. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, so my weekend has been pretty chill. Uh, I think I'm going to work today, but yeah, so far, so good.
1: <laughs> and if you could please just uh, introduce yourself to the audience.
0: Sure. So I am Marina Kabogera, I'm a senior architectural designer from Zahadid Architects. And I'm currently a director for, um, Wilder World, which is a metaverse company.
1: Thank you. And so how did all this start as, a, as an architect? When did you realize you wanted to become one?
0: Uh, so when I was really young, so when I was a child, I wanted to be a, a painter and I wanted to paint walls uh, on construction sites. And uh, my parents basically, I was like six, so they kind of tried to convince me that architects do that as well. But with a degree, <laughs> so I kind of felt for that, and I decided, okay, then I'll I'll be an architect, and I'll I'll paint walls as an architect, and then I think it just stayed until I actually graduated.
1: Mm-hmm. And where where did you study architecture?
0: So I studied in in Lisbon in public school, uh, the public school of architecture, and then I studied in Milano for a year. And then I left Portugal um, to study a very specific side of architecture in London for uh, an additional two years. Mm-hmm.
1: But you were, I believe, qualified in Portugal and then you came to UK.
0: Yeah, exactly. I did my master's in the, in Portugal and then I did a second master's in the UK.
1: Yeah, correct. And... Um... And in the whole of these like um, uh, studies and um, in in going to the co- into the career of architecture and you have any like um an inspire uh, architect or any firm that you are into I probably were, say, Zadid, but, not uh, as did well, you or say za did you no okay no you
0: were not allowed to have Zadid in, in Portugal as your inspiration <laughs> They they don't take it as a valid inspiration probably because they don't understand the architecture and it's a bit intimidating. So you don't. Mm-hmm. It's very uncommon to bring any Zaha uh, kind of inspiration to a class. Uh, I didn't have a specific studio. I think I had my own ideas, mm-hmm. and um, especially the things that I used to read, they were like influencing me. I think, but I mm-hmm. was just going along with my own. I don't know my own perceptions.
1: Okay, and um, um, for example, even in Portugal, did you um, have the thoughts already to, to like to work and travel around, on, well, abroad, um, or do you you want, for example, to start in Portugal, see how the architecture is, and how you you getting on, or you always wanted to to go just to another country and uh, explore?
0: Actually, it was never it was never like on my mind to go abroad and to work from abroad. I never thought about, I never thought that I would be living in another country. Um, I think it just happened because I realized that I was not in the right place. Um, with I, I was not surrounded with people with a very a similar mindset than me. So mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I had to um, look for something else. And that led me to another country. But if what I was studying and what I learned from the UK was something that was being taught in Portugal. I don't think I would have left. It, it's literally because I understood where the career was progressing.
1: Okay. And when did, uh, when all this Zahadi started?
0: So, um, when I went to the UK, I was, I went to a very specific program that is called, um, design research laboratory and it's a master mm-hmm. and it's a uh, post-graduation. So everyone had a master at that point. And it's a very well-known post-grad around the world, not very known in Portugal, especially the AA is a very known school. It's where like Peter Cook, uh, Rem Kulas, Zaha, and I mean, a a huge number of great architects were students before in this school. Mm -hmm. So I went there to kind of see what was like this about and uh, what programs they had since I had like finished a master in Lisbon and I was really not satisfied with what was coming after. So I saw this program, Design Research Laboratory, that is literally about design in architecture, but especially the technology that is around, that is influencing design in architecture. So it was very technological as well. And then in this program, Patrick Schumacher had like a a studio. Uh, He's the director of Zaha. And I heard about Patrick, not because of Zaha, but because of what he was writing, um, which is called parametricism. And I was reading a lot about parametricism when I was doing my master on my own. I kind of landed in parametric, which made total sense to me. So when I heard that, when I saw that he was actually teaching a studio, I said, okay, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to learn from this, especially how to do parametric architecture, which is not very common to be taught in Portugal. So Mm -hmm. after I finished, um, I think I did well. So Patrick spoke with me and, and he asked me if I wanted to join or as I asked him if if I could join and he, some months after he recommended me to one of the directors of a cluster at Zaha and then I interviewed and Zaha became like my plan A after I finished the role. There was like no other plan. And oh, then great,
1: it landed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um... So because it's the um well the topic of uh, parametric architecture um if you could describe it what it is um how would you do it? because i think it's is at the moment something that um more and more uh, people are getting into the the, yeah. the topic like parametric design and architecture uh perhaps maybe people that well um they thinking to study architecture now they don't know what it is or maybe yeah. people doing this, just the bachelor's now they might be interested so how would you describe it
0: I think um first I think it's also it's important to see where parametric is in history. I think that parametric has already reached kind of its peak and now mm-hmm. it's it's becoming a bit more mainstream which is good. It's great for companies to actually embrace our parametric architecture. And uh it's becoming less of like a niche. There's a lot of things that happen after parametric. So I think we might be even heading to a post-parametric kind of era. But the important thing for offices, especially to understand what parametric is. So for students, it's cool. It's like, it's facilitating and it's like, uh, it's it's something that eases your work. For offices, it's important to understand that what parametric is, like the name says, is basically working in architecture through parameters, uh, like we always did. Everything that is done in architecture, like that is proportional, that is due to like measurements, they have their parameters. So parametric architecture understands um, patterns, like algorithms, of one parameter that you use, and that it uses, like, it uh, challenges the pattern and, and does iterations of this pattern proportionally, so it like an algorithm. Um, yeah. So it creates like a bigger pattern, and a pattern from a pattern, and a pattern for a pattern, pattern from another pattern, and this really helps on optimization of like time for architects, optimization of materials, so there's no waste, right? When you develop one pattern in architecture, and I mean one pattern, like it could be like a, a very obvious example could be a facade. So you develop yeah. one pattern in a facade, and and parametric a parametric tool would take that pattern and develop. Even iterations of change, but it's recording which change it is. So this really mm-hmm. helps on optimization for anything. And softwares do, do this for you. Of course, you need to know people who know how to work with them. But it helps on on everything for for workflows. Then it comes a bit with, with like um, an aesthetic attached. But I think that's like mm-hmm. a, mis, a misconception. Um, people who see like Zaha stuff, they think it's parametric because it looks parametric it doesn't necessarily mean that it is parametric. Um, but I think it's a workflow. It's like a useful mm-hmm. workflow.
1: And was there any uh, project that you did a Zaha did that you were, um, it could be all of them, but that you were satisfying to be part of that project or for that team? And um, yeah, what project was it and, and why um, you were satisfying to do it?
0: Um, I had many, I think... I, I was working uh, mainly on competitions for some time. And then at Zaha, when you're working on a competition, the competition wins, you are invited to stay for the, the later stages, especially because design keeps changing. So if you were like responsible for the design on competition, they know that you are the most responsible to um, evolve this design for later st- stages and, and change the design for later stages. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a bit of both. Uh, and in the end... I think my favorite ones were the competitions, one competition that we lost that was very important for me, especially because I was the lead designer of that project. It was an airport for uh, Saudi Arabia, and unfortunately we lost uh, for a very good company called Nikkei Sake. Uh, But it was probably one of my favorite projects that I've done. And then another one was an airport for Mumbai. I was also extremely responsible for the design uh, inside of the project. And the airport I actually developed for very late stages, but then they found out that the client had like, I don't know how many thousand shell companies and they took the project away. So we lost the project and it was like a year and something on this. Uh, And then the last one was like by far Tower C, uh, it's getting built right now. And Tower C has been a tower um, that I've been developing, uh, I developed for two years. And it was also a competition for Shenzhen. And I think that tower has like a special place in my heart.
1: <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah, no, thank you. And um, um, what's the, the not, maybe not the research, but what's the, the mindset behind um, when you do the competitions or you do the design? Um, or, or you could say like, what's the culture anxiety, um, for example, um, what it takes to, to, to get to the final design or to the final stage of the design and see, right, this is this, um, this is it. We're going to submit this one and, uh, um, mm-hmm. we're happy with that. So, yeah, I
0: think, what, what's the I thoughts think, behind it? So the office is pretty big. It's like 500 people. So that also creates like multi inside. There are departments mm-hmm. we, the, we call them clusters and then of course each cluster has their own motivation and uh literally their own culture even even like language uh wise uh, and they speak like different languages and all that so it's it's a fairly big company but um the culture that i experienced it was from a very, very specific cluster that is called zaha cluster it was a cluster that zaha cre- the last cluster zaha created and it was very dedicated to design in architecture mm-hmm. Um, so basically what's the most important um, motivation for this cluster is definitely and by far a challenging design and especially creating buildings that you have never seen before but are still buildable. So that was kind of the thing that I you had to keep in mind while you were creating. So my job was to create a thousand of ideas and model a thousand of Um, possibilities for a brief. So when I'm Mm -hmm. modeling them and uh, what the inspiration behind them is usually what have I not seen yet that um, it would make sense for the city or it would make sense for the current culture. And that's definitely what's driving behind this cluster work. And then the workflow is usually, let's say we have like for a project, we have four designers. Uh, In these four designers, you have... A lead, um, two seniors, and uh, one architect or one assistant, mm-hmm. or or a lead, one senior and an assistant, and then basically everyone is, is responsible for designing uh, as many ideas as they can for a brief with a specific logic and a strategy. So you cannot just be like modeling randomly. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, it's like curated for this brief for this client. Um, the project leader, not so much. He's like really just managing the the, the project, and uh, presentations and all that. And then mm-hmm. you meet every two days, let's say, and we all go through like brainstorm through the ideas. And when we like, usually we pick like two branches of of thoughts that are very much opposites and then develop them two in parallel. And then it comes to a point that you actually present to the client like a midterm presentation and the client kind of like is leaning towards something. They're always leaning towards something. Zaha Mm -hmm. usually at at Zaha, usually we try to submit more than just one option, which is like a smart strategy, but I don't think it goes often far than three options, let's say two options is the more common (laughs) one. And then we develop them and we submit two options. Hoping for one doing. Okay.
1: That's fair. <laughs> oh thank <laughs> you. Um and I know as well that recently um, a change in your career um, happened, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. And I'm also excited to talk about it. Um just first question, do you still started it? You still doing work for them?
0: No, no, no. I, I left.
1: Okay, okay. So you're now completely a director of the metaverse third yeah. era. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's really interesting and exciting. Um So how, what's your, on your thoughts, um, when you decide, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this, um, as, as your your future career or like, um, the next, next journey. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide it? I I bet it wasn't easy.
0: (laughs) No, it, uh, it was was not, (laughs) but, um, I think I, I worked at Zaha for five years And uh, it's important when you are in an office to kind of um, make sure that you have a trail that you want to pursue to grow. And I think after, because no one's going to do this trail for you. So you should like Mm -hmm. know what you want to be learning for the next year and then for the next year. So when I reached the the fifth year, I was kind of, um, I think I was already checking out a bit from the company. So, actually, I told my director, like, listen, I feel like I'm checking out. This is, I don't know what's happening, but I was already, like, having a different mindset. And then, suddenly, I was uh, reached, by, um, reached out by this uh, Canadian company called Wilder World. They are 150 people spread around the world. They have been building the metaverse for the last 10 years, building wow. the engineering side of, of metaverse, the game developing side of the metaverse which is extremely complex. So uh, they they saw my stuff on Instagram, they saw my portfolio, I mean, my work, not my portfolio. Um, the things mm-hmm. that I was showcasing, and they thought this is the kind of architecture that we want to bring in, because they have mostly designers from Blade Runner, from Marvel, from Dune. Uh, so it goes very much into Cyberpunk, their design. And they thought, okay, let's make like a huge contrast and get an, architect, an actual architect to design this other era of like they call it mm-hmm. the future era. So they challenged me with was like March, and they asked me if I wanted to be the director of this department. I was like, um obviously, I was kind of like, I know this is a huge risk because it's the it's the metaverse. This is how we call it now, but it's the web three, and I know this is a huge risk. It might just drop suddenly. It might not, like you know not go very far, but then, I mean, the finances that are going on Metaverse is insane. It's like beyond, you would never grasp. And when I heard it, I understood, of course, you you hear a salary and you're like, what? And then you actually also think, so what's happening in this business? What's really, (laughs) if this is me, how is like the rest of the company, you know? So there's something like really big here and then i thought yeah i think i think i'm at the right time and the right age for a, a big risk a big risk sometimes come with like huge rewards so i was okay let's, let's just do it yeah and then oh, definitely. I, and- yeah i agreed in in march but i only took my company in june because i really wanted to finish tower c so i was mm-hmm. like holding it for a couple of months also out of respect for the, the time i spent in the company and then yeah left
1: and Oh, okay, <laughs> and I assume as well, um, because I've been following your work, I've been following your Instagram and uh, the wider world as well. Um, and he was, you, as you were describing earlier about uh, the processes and uh, the thinking of uh, making the design as I did, I believe you take that as well with you for, for this company because uh, I've seen your sketches and yeah, uh, and I've seen your treaty right. as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not something that you will see anywhere, it's nothing in that you, yeah. More likely, probably we'll see on Dubai because it's probably like where the futuristic buildings are. Yeah. Um But you wouldn't see that anywhere, and then that's one more interesting and and uh, like make us thinking is it is the future? Like, is it going to be like this? Uh, because it could be digitally, but in a couple of years, we could see actually in the real world. We never know. And um,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, so so yeah, like um. How, where, where is it the thinking really of, um, of when you make these these drawings? It's like okay, I'm gonna make something that no one has seen this before. I'm gonna make something crazy <laughs> and uh, enjoyable at the same time. I believe, right?
0: I think I think what's really funny. First, what you said is like 100 true. So the workflow that goes behind uh, metaverse for me, it's very similar to the workflow that we did at Zaha. Because since I'm the director, I'm bringing the workflow with me. Like it's very hard to kind of start a workflow from scratch so that's mm-hmm. why there's a lot of similarities from what i was doing and then what is really funny about the experience of designing the metaverse is you would think as an architect especially as an architect that you want to divorce from all of these constraints that they were like your biggest headache when you were doing architecture right which is like repetition patterns uh budget gravity so all of this you're like whenever i hit metaverse it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna take this completely out and and then it's totally not true which is kind of annoying but the reality is you need to balance what you want to be realistic and when when i mean realistic it's almost like hyper realistic so the people who are going to experience it recognize what are the canons or what are the archetypes of their traditional space they know where what's a corridor they know mm-hmm. what the a door is they know what a window is and you still need to use this vocabulary so there's like a balance between very real spaces and very real way to navigate very traditional ways and what you can kind of push to the imaginary like floating things or floating lights or, but but it's a balance. You cannot just go mm-hmm. totally dystopian on metaverse because people would not not feel comfortable in it, and maybe not even recognize how to act on it because they are mm-hmm. not used to it. So even when I when I got to this company, what they are doing is extremely r- real, like on on the cyberpunk kind of way. It's very much like a game, right? So like a cyberpunk mm-hmm. game, like a Blade Runner. So everything is hyper realistic to the point that it looks like it's one hundred years old and it's like this apocalyptic kind of but they do doorknobs and they do like an hyper realism thing and and I was very confused, like, but now it's the time that we can just not have like vertical stuff. Like we can have horizontal floating stuff. Like and they were, no, 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 we we need like a good base of realism so people understand that they are living in just a second world and not and not like a dystopian world. So I, I tried to find like that balance. And, um, and I'm still doing a lot of trees, a lot of greens, a lot of things that Mm -hmm. brings us like peace in the real world. But yeah, I think that's, that's like the biggest challenge for me.
1: That's actually very interesting. I'm looking really forward to see what's in the coming years, uh, come together and, uh, we'll, we'll really wait, uh, really. Um, and so in all of these, um, how does success and architecture relate to each other?
0: Success and architecture.
1: Yes. So, uh, you could, you, I mean, you could, you could interpret it two different ways, I believe, um, but you, you could do it on your own interpretation because it could be um, the success of the building in terms of how yeah, it performs. Yeah. I was um, going to ask
0: you that. Is it financial <laughs> success?
1: Um, I'll probably will say um, actually at, the, at this moment, like, because the climate change is quite a lot, uh, a big topic right now. Um, yeah. So probably like, um, what's the success on the, the building? in terms of the way the performance and the impact it gives to the world um, and society and the environment uh, as well.
0: Oh, in in that side. Mm -hmm. Um, So not all buildings uh, are requested to be or expected to be green buildings. Um, Usually architects, they have to bring their own responsibility of of turning them into green buildings uh, and challenge the clients to make them green, green buildings because green buildings cost more. And, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately we need to add devices that help the building to be green. And when you add devices, you're adding budget, uh, mm-hmm. and you need to explain the client that it's not for his own profit, but it's for like a bigger picture kind of profit. This is almost impossible, right? when he's like trying to save money on windows and glass and, and then you say, yeah. And by the way, why don't we just, you know. It's not that easy, but then um, there were a couple of tricks that the world has been doing that is like extremely smart, uh, and they have been like kind of encouraging our the clients to be green. So they are like giving awards and um, giving titles and like the greenest building of the world, and then they give a lot of media exposure for that. Uh, so they are giving out awards for this. So for the first time in the last years, we started having these buildings for competition you know, like the traditional skyscraper and like we want Mm -hmm. an iconic uh, museum. And then in the end they have, we want to be the greenest building of the world. All of them. Uh, So, which is great. It's like a kind of reward and and a prize that we made up and it made the clients because they are so vain to actually want to achieve that. Um, Mm -hmm. So then, uh, which is uh, really good that you start like bringing these green techniques to architecture and then I think that's a good way to evaluate the building, but not all buildings are evaluated on their green ratio and like or on their, their carbon footprint. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, and I've asked this, um, before to Oli and I might ask you as well, uh, it might be quite a personal or in terms of professional uh, question. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you are, um, uh, well, I believe you are an ambitious person and, Maybe uh, probably the type of person that likes to plan ahead or may have the life uh, plan yeah. or maybe not. And yeah. um, um, so, how do you see yourself in ten years time? Like, do you see yourself Oof. with a with a company on your own? Or... I think
0: 10, ten years is a big stretch. Like, I think so. Uh, at this point, when everything that I've done in life, I I, I know I have planned, and uh, I know that I had like also a bigger holistic kind of picture for me. But at the same time, you need to give like a very big space for surprises. And this Mm -hmm. is like something that is really important because it's not like you should be waiting for the opportunities to come to you. That that doesn't happen. But sometimes opportunities come in a flush and changes things totally. Like the metaverse thing that happened to me. It was, I would never guess it. Like, you know, in a million years that I would be doing it. So I kind of had to give this little opportunity of surprise for mm-hmm. something to change like 180 degrees um so that's something that is important but still while I'm at like at water and, and directing this department i have like a fair idea of what i want especially I'm, I'm not sure if it's 10 years it might be before that um but the point is to learn architecture from one of the biggest firms avaza and mm-hmm. um, the traditional physical world kind of architecture. And then learning what the digital architecture is on another one of the best companies that is Wilder. And the whole point is to open an office that is able to live on both that mm-hmm. are running in parallel. Because right now, um, digital architecture and metaverse architecture is actually bringing a lot more revenue than uh, like a, a lot more profit. Than the real life architecture, it's a it's an immediate pro, oh. uh, profit, it's a direct profit, and and it's like um, it's not running in the long run. It's not like physical world. You take like ten years for a big building, and the digital, one it take you like a week, to give it to mm-hmm. like a good client. So I am I am a strong believer that the smart architect uh, architect um, architecture offices of the future are gonna do them in parallel, because one fits the other one um mm-hmm. and i'm extremely like excited to test that out on my own
1: okay no it's interesting i uh, um well we're well, we'll touching again the uh, the point of metaverse but it really makes me think um as you're saying like this company um waterworld has been working for metaverse for 10 years but yeah. we probably heard about metaverse like no. three years ago <laughs> or something <laughs> yes. uh when facebook announced it um and then all these things that we've been talking about, the change of architecture and how wide it is and quick is changing uh, digitally, um, uh, not a lot of people know in real world what actually is happening. Um, so we'll probably see um, maybe in three years' time or maybe less people already inter- uh, like interacting with these buildings already on the, on the VR, correct?
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't
1: experienced yet, but I'm looking forward for that. Um, yeah. No, so that no, that's very interesting. That's great. Um, do you have any um, anything that will come soon that you 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 are waiting for to announce, or is it something that you're excited that really soon is going to happen um, that you can tell us, or I, you want I think
0: right now it's more like a process, right? You're putting okay. it together and it takes so long to put it together because it's, it's, it's not like you're waiting for engineers uh, to put it up, but you're de- waiting for like um, developers, game developers and, and IT developers to put it up. And since it's pioneering and it's starting, it takes a bit longer for companies to understand what, what the process is. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of going with the process um, and learning with the process as well so i'm i think it will be public in like less than in than a year people will be able to walk around there i hope so
1: that would be great the one, one thing that came to my mind now as you say about engineers and uh, that's that, that's a fun part of the digital um, era because you don't need to deal with planners. You don't need to deal with engineers or what uh, things I mean, for come now, for
0: now. For now, I kind of have a feeling that we don't have like loads of these hierarchy and titles for now, but they will come, they will find their niche. I'm pretty <laughs> sure because you do need, like, you do need rules. Uh, you're doing cities, So you do need planners, but you're doing your own plan. Like, in the beginning of, right. of of planning architecture, they are doing their own randomly. So I'm like doing my own. But um, if this company had like someone who's actually an urban planner, I would have probably to follow their rules and mm-hmm. and work very similarly to to normal architecture because they are doing a city. And then like. Game developers are actually your own engineers. So they are the computer says no of this industry. They're like, oh no, oh no. And then they're like, nobody can be floating. They're like, that's very complicated, but then you, because then you need to bring the avatars up and you need to do this transportation. It's not that easy, Mm -hmm. like coding wise. So they're like, they're putting the constraints on, which makes sense. And then you have like other constraints that, so the physical world is still powering the digital ones. That means you need like servers, computer, Internet, yeah. uh, graphic cards, you're still powering that, the mm-hmm. digital world. So that's how far the digital can go. So that's the kind of uh, constraints that you have. It's like how, how much weight does your model have? How many polygons does the model have? What can we make that is repetible? What can we make that is an instant? Mm-hmm. It's like the real world. So I think for every constraint, we will have a specialist in the future. And <laughs> so I'm just happy they're not around now. <laughs>
1: No, no, exactly. No, that, that's very interesting. Thank yeah. you. Um, and yeah, well, we are now 30 minutes off the podcast. So it's been really great and really rich uh, topics we we touch about. Um, and if, you, if you're if happy, maybe in one year or two years' time, we might do another podcast just to give an update of how the of universe. And probably we can do some, like do a, some comparisons. Like what we thought on this podcast that would be in two yeah. years' time. And then, uh, I
0: agree. That's so much fun. Yeah.
1: No, 100%. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, Mariana, I can't thank you enough for, for being with us uh, on this episode. Um, thank you so much. And um, I will give on the on the podcast video version uh, the links below on your Instagram, the weather world, so people can be uh, updated the work you've been doing and what might happen in the future as well. And uh, no, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Pedro. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank Thank you. you so much for inviting me.